Hey there, in the name of Daniel here, this podcast is powered by the Converge Podcast Network. What's up, what's up, awesome people? I love you so much, and it just never fails that I am deeply honored and thankful that y'all would tune in to the Have You Heard podcast. I am your host, Emma Mae McDaniel, and... That also still never gets old saying, I love that last name. Um, But today I am so over the moon because we have Jenny Allen on the podcast talking with us about friendship, authentic friendships. How do we build those friendships and how do we, how do we fight the lie and walk in the truth um, of the fact that we were made for community and we are not alone. So guys, I'm really excited and I hope that this blesses you and faith comes by hearing. So grab your headphones and let's get into the word. Welcome to the podcast. I'm so thankful that you're on here with me. Emma May, I love you to the moon and back, and I am so honored to be here <laughs> as well. Oh, okay. I love your book. For those of you who are watching on YouTube, I just want to show you all, if y'all have not gotten Find Your People yet, you have to. Not only would it look pretty and it would brighten up your bookshelf, (laughs) but it will bless your life. And that's what we're talking about today. And I figured it would be super fitting before we talk about friendships and how all of us crave good, authentic, deep, real relationships with people. I figured that it would be it would make the most sense to talk about who it is that made us. Because if we are wired in a way that we want relationships with people, then that points to the very one who made us. And I love how you talk about that in your book, about how our God is a God of community. So can you talk with us about that, about the one of relationships who made us for relationships? Yeah, it was one of my favorite things that I studied in this. In my heart, I'm a theologian. It is the thing that just to me has been the most life-changing thing I've ever done is to study exactly who God is because as I've studied who he is and, and known him better in that way, I have known how to live. I've known my identity. I've known Mm -hmm. what to say and how to say it because I've followed and known him. And so when I think about this topic, it felt like the very first place I had to start was what is God's plan for it? But what I realized is God doesn't just have a plan for it. It's who he is. He actually is communal in his very being. And many people listening know that God is Trinity, that there is three in one. But if you don't know, and you've never heard that, it has to be a little bit surprising that as Christians, we believe he's father, son, and Holy spirit, that he is three, but all three are one God. And if that confuses you, take heart. I have gone to seminary and had an entire three hour class on the Trinity. And I still feel confused too. So it's one of the mysteries of God that we can't ever get our head around. (laughs) But if we can understand that when it comes to the topic of relationships and community, what it does is it shifts this idea that we should have friends or we should have healthy relationships, or we should, you know, prioritize people in our lives to we are communal beings. And so without it, it's like us without water or oxygen we begin to fall apart. We are not designed to live alone. God builds the first man, sets him on the earth and looks at him and says, 
it is not good for a man to be alone. We should build a helper suitable for him. And we always talk about that verse in light of marriage, but we never talk about that verse in light of community. And I believe what God was doing was Mm. catapulting the first community into being with Adam and Eve. It wasn't just about family, although he is a proponent of family and built the family and loves family. It's a starting place for the relational needs that we were inevitably going to possess. And, and we were going to possess them, not because they're uh, part of our finiteness or part of our weakness, like, um, you know, that the fact that we need water or something like that, but it's part of, of our image bearing nature because God is communal. We are communal. It's not just something like, oh gosh, you need people because you're a sinner or you need Mm -hmm. people because you can't do it on your own or you need people. All that's true, but it's actually not birthed out of that. It's first birthed out of goodness that, that we were built to be in relationship because we were built by a communal God in his image. And he is in relationship with himself throughout all of eternity, past and present and future. And so that, that's, kind of cool. I don't know. I just never had looked at it that way. Like I've always thought like I should have relationships in my life because God cares about it, but not, I am relational. Like I am a being. So we come out of the womb. Kurt Thompson says, looking for someone looking for us, that it is our deepest longing to find someone looking for us. And we find that ultimately met in God because he was the one that created us and chased us down and ran after us to rescue us from ourselves. And then we also, God willing, will find that in a handful of people in our lifetime as well. No, that is so incredible. I can testify to that in my own life as I have learned how to walk vulnerably with people and therefore build and establish trust with people and then therefore be held accountable by people. I've gotten to taste and see the goodness of God in a way that just proves He is a God of relationship and we were made for it. It is not a sign of... um I don't know. It, it it does show that we can't do it alone, but it's not like, oh, like what you were saying, like, oh, I need people. Like I'm such a weak person. I should be able to do this by myself. It's like, no, look at how great my God is and how he made us to do life together. It's just a testimony of his glory and his design that is so good and perfect. And I love that not only you're such a studier of the word, but you're also such a studier of of people and Mm -hmm. just facts and where people are at. And because you do that, you're able to so accurately speak into the lives of people and where they legitimately are. And I love how you really studied on like what the past few years have looked like just in our culture and how we have had such a focus on individualism. And it's how it's actually brought a lot of harm to us because Mm -hmm. of course we were made in community. Can you talk about that a little bit and the harm that this individualized mindset has harmed us? Well, I'll tell you, it happened for me. This whole project happened out of a lot of curiosity as I would travel and I would Hmm. see things in other countries that were curious and disheartening a little bit because there would be this joy over people that had barely anything, but they would be living in a small village. They would be going to get water together and they would be laughing and they would be having so much fun. And I'd be jealous of the fact that they don't have doors, that they're raising their kids together, that they're, you know, often beside fires. And I'm like, this is so different than the way we live in the U S where everything is protected and everything is isolated and everything is build your fence and set your alarm and order your Amazon and never borrow anything. And it's like, well, this, the whole DNA of the villages that we visited 
throughout really Africa and Haiti and, and other places, you see this, we're in this together. We're in life together mm-hmm. and, and we don't leave people behind. And it just bothered me. I was like, this is, this is so sad. And I actually began to have conversations with people from other countries about it. And that was what spurred on the book was, wow, wow I think we are really getting this wrong in the West. And so one of the things I did was I didn't just look globally, although I did about 10 to 15 interviews with people from different countries and really hear what is life like for you from all different types of countries. Not all of it ended up in the book, but I learned so much and I'm so envious of the way in India, my friend Helen, every single time she would have a meal, she wouldn't hurt. She would invite her friends over and they would come over in the morning with material and they would all set up the whole meal together. They would cook together all day. They would clean up together afterwards. And when I asked her, what do you miss the most? She said, I miss, I miss the meals. And I said, Oh my goodness, I'm sure you can cook all the same food. And she goes, yeah, but we, we don't spend the whole day together like that. And, and I heard about food over and over again. It was actually a whole chapter in the book because there was so many conversations that I had with people about eating together and being by the fire together and making time for each other. And it was just by nature of the way that they live. It was so different. And so it made me sad. Honestly, the first year of research was really disheartening to me because I I was like, gosh, we just live in a very broken system. Like, I don't yeah. know how to help. I don't know if we can make this better. And, you know, that was really where I was for a while. And then I began to pick apart both biblically and from these communities. What are the patterns and the ways of living that we can incorporate into our lives? And they're there. And I began to do them. I mean, we got a fire pit in our backyard and we have people out there all the time. We keep hordes of s'mores, like hordes of marshmallows. (laughs) And and all of our kids do the same thing. Like they're always out there too with people. And I've just, you know, tonight we'll have people over to watch the game and we'll sit around the fire together like that. We just now make a lot of intentional choices to Mm -hmm. not be so structured about the way that we do community, like a small group or we have all that or a book club or whatever. And I, I'm a big fan of all that, but also to just let it happen organically to just say, Hey, come over tonight or drop by somebody's house and see them real quick and say, Hey. Um, so I feel like making choices like that has brought what I saw in village life into my life here in Dallas. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because we live in a big fat Metroplex, but a lot of my very best friends live within five miles of me. And that was really intentional. I prayed about that. I said, Lord, I really need some friends that I'm going to run into at the grocery store. I really need some friends that are going to help me raise my kids and their kids will be friends with my kids. I, I need some people to do life with day to day. And he really answered that prayer. I believe he wants to answer that prayer for everybody. And I know everybody listening comes from a different world. I mean, many people listening, I'm sure on college campuses or in Mm -hmm. apartments or in places where maybe you're having the time of your life with your people, but you don't know what's next. And you worry like, gosh, what, how am I going to do this when, when I'm out with a job that's a nine to five job? And, and I would say it's always possible. You just have to choose it and you have yeah. to be the one to initiate and you can't wait for somebody else to initiate with you because they may not. But if you become an initiator and you be the one to invite people and you be the one that to make the plan, then you're going to have plans because people are, are lonely too. It's not just you, everybody listening. You're not the only lonely person. Everybody else is feeling it, especially right now, post Mm -hmm. the pandemic. 
what you just said, I love how you like honed in on intentionality and availability. And it made me think of honestly, one of my favorite quotes. It's by Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) And he says, you can't stay in your corner of the forest waiting for others to come to you. You have to go to them sometimes. Wow. I'd put that in my book if I'd heard that. (laughs) And it would have matched your book. (laughs) It'd be yellow. Yes. (laughs) It was honeypot. Yeah. I love that intentionality and availability. And that requires getting out of your comfort zone, but there's such worth and purpose in it. And I think something I really want to talk to you about is like, as we've mentioned, we were made for relationships. We all want relationships. You've so beautifully yet simply laid out how to go about that just through intentionality and availability and seeking the Lord in prayer, trusting that he's a good God who gives good and perfect gifts to his kids. Like he, if he made you for relationships, like he wants to give them to you. Yeah. Um, but can you talk about like what keeps us from getting to experience deep, authentic relationships? I think there's several things. I think the thing we just talked about is culturally, it's just not something that has been prized and valued in our culture. Yeah. And I think we need to admit that and, and notice that and fight against that. Um, the second thing that I consistently see is there's an enemy. So if even if you get this, the enemy hates it. If it's from God and God loves and delights over community, and that's the greatest way we express the love of God is through healthy community, then he, the enemy hates it. And so mm-hmm. he is constantly trying to destroy any relationship that you have that's healthy. And I think it's good to know that, to prevent it and then trying to destroy it. And I think that's helpful because I think sometimes you realize, gosh, that's grown distant and I don't know why, or I don't know why we couldn't work through that conflict a year ago and and you grow distance and you let friendships kind of become transient where you move on to the next friend and the next friend because you don't want to deal with the, the hurt and the conflict. Conflict will arise, especially in healthy relationships, because mm-hmm. you're doing life to such a level that you're going to come to things you disagree on. You're going to come to things where you hurt each other. And I think to expect that and to fight for that. But I would say the biggest reason that people push back against this, and I've heard dozens more, but these are the three most popular, is that they, people are hurt. They have been hurt in the past and they are scared of getting hurt again. So they don't work out of a place of transparency and vulnerability. They don't trust people and initiate because they, they fear rejection. And I would say all of that is valid. That has happened in my life. I, I have been there and I have gotten guarded. In fact, a lot of the book is about my personal story of living very guarded Mm -hmm. and afraid to let people in. And I had to, I know this is going to sound crazy because some people are just so natural at this, but, but after you've been really hurt by people and I know MMA, you and I've talked about moments like this in your life too, you really do without meaning to you get guarded and, and you don't want to let people in because you don't know they might use it against you. And, and there have been times in my life where I have just been so unthinkably hurt by people. And there've been times in my life that I've hurt, but largely I'm hurting out of a place of withholding that I, most of my friendships that would say, Jenny Allen was not a good friend to me or Jenny Allen, it was not easy to be her friend. They would say that they were hurt mostly because I withheld from them. Well, the reason I withheld from them and didn't want to share everything is because it had been used against me in the past. Right. Hmm. And so I think we've got to come to terms with, you know what, we're willing to risk this out of obedience and we're willing to risk being hurt because we truly believe this is the best way for God to have us, that God has planned for us to live. Mm -hmm. And so when you choose it, 
it's a discipline. And it's, I mean, I, I literally have to sit down with my friends. I'll do it tonight. And they'll say, how are you? And I have to, in my mind, decide and discipline myself to tell the truth, to say what's hard, That's to so cry hard. perhaps, or to say, this is why um, I'm having a bad week. It just doesn't come naturally to me. And I think some people it does and good for them. Um, but that is a place of, of hurt for me. So I think I, I have to choose it over and over again. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network and is sponsored in part by... I'm talking to all the beautiful mamas who are tuning in. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise, filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk growing kids should never eat. And that's exactly why Haya was created. Haya Kids Vitamins are formulated with the help of nutritional experts. It's a blend of 12 organic fruits and veggies and supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals, including vitamin D, B12, C, zinc, folate, and many others to help support immunity, energy, brain function, mood, concentration, teeth, bones, and the list could go on and on. While most children's vitamins are filled with five grams of sugar and can contribute to a variety of health issues, Haya is made with zero sugar and zero gummy junk, yet it tastes great and it's perfect for the picky eaters. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You can receive 50% off of your first order. But to claim this deal, you must go to HayaHealth.com slash Emma. This deal is not available on their regular website, so you must go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H dot com slash Emma and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Hey there, everybody. I hope y'all are having a great day. I want to tell y'all about Athletic Greens, which I have loved, and it has helped me so much in just staying healthy, which is so important to me. It's packed with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens. Literally, in a matter of seconds, I can have a green smoothie every single morning. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes. And not only that, but this is something I think we're all very appreciative of. It basically costs you less than $3 a day. So not only are you investing into your health, but it's a lot cheaper than maybe getting a cold brew every day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And right now, Athletic Greens is making it easy. They're going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com Emma. Again, that is athleticgreens.com Emma to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Wow, that's so true. That's so true. I I have so many things that were I was encouraged by and thinking about as you were sharing. I think one thing that I 
it kind of hit my noggin whenever I was putting up a messy bun in my hair one day. And it was kind of funny because I was like, we call this a messy bun. But I just spent a good 15 minutes (laughs) trying to make sure it was like the perfect kind of messy. Like all the hairs that needed to be tucked in were tucked in. And if there were hairs I wanted out, like they were I purposely yep. let them out, but it's called a messy bun. <laughs> and I, when I, it kind of like, you know, those practical moments that just take you a little deeper, the Holy Spirit, it's just like, I want to go here with you. I just thought about like, when we try and manage the messy and the put together, yeah, we end up exhausting of- ourselves because- we constantly are trying to make sure people see what we want them to, and we never let them see what they actually may need to, the people in our life who need to see it. And right. like, so it, and I love this quote by Brene Brown. She said, shame hates when we reach out and tell our story. It hates having words wrapped around it. It can't survive being shared. Shame loves secrecy. When we bury our story, the shame metastasizes. And so I just thought like when we refuse to go beyond that surface level, then with our trusted people, not with everybody, <laughs> but with our trusted people, then we like we refuse to experience the truth that we aren't alone. And I would say that is the reason why. I mean, when I think about confession or being, you know, really telling the hard, hard stuff, right, with mm-hmm. with people, the goal is healing. That is what scripture tells us we get. Yeah. It doesn't say salvation. Salvation comes from trusting the blood of Jesus to heal us of our sins. Mm-hmm. Confession is actually so that we are healed. Scripture tells us. So there's a there's something happening in you that shame is released, that fear that you're going mm-hmm. to be rejected is released. Now, 100% of the time, you're not going to be understood. You're not going to be received. But even if it was 50% of the time, would you do it? Would you risk being misunderstood and rejected for the 50% of being understood? and seen and loved. And I would say you would, because it's the deepest desire of your heart. You may not admit it. You may not be in touch with that. You Mm -hmm. may not even, you know, admit it to yourself, but it is the deepest longing that we have to be seen. The three things that people long for from the time they're born, um, science will tell you is to be seen, to be soothed, to be safe. Those are the three longings of the human soul. God put them there and science affirms it. And so if you can find people to do that for you, and I would say it's the greatest marriage advice I've ever gotten, especially for the dudes that that are listening, because the reality is this is how you comfort a human. Like, do you see them? You listen, soothe them. And one of the ways you do that is to be empathetic, to understand, to say, I'm so sorry. That is soothing to hug, to be present, to sit in the pain with someone, to mourn while other people mourn. Yeah. And then the last thing to be safe, that, that you're not going to be gossiping about that, using that against the person. Like if we just practice those three things with mm. people we love, it really does build an environment for, for you to be brave and to say the thing and for shame not to take hold and root of our soul, which is what the enemy wants more than anything. Yeah. I love how you're talking about being aware of the spiritual battle, that we are to stand firm in the mighty power of God with his full armor on, knowing that our battle is not against flesh and blood, blood, but it's against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. I love that you're bringing that to attention because that honestly does make me want to be more like 
alert and fully sober, knowing that, okay, I have an enemy that doesn't want my relationships to work out. Well, and I hope that it makes people rise up and fight for their relationships. Like yes. one thing I've heard the story of a lot is people reconciling with old relationships mm-hmm. or bringing to light some issues maybe they've had where they've pulled back slightly from someone. That I, I hope that it causes a lot of reconciliation to happen because the enemy does hate and want to st- sabotage our healthy relationships. And so I hope that people will fight and not give up so easily. I'm a big believer in boundaries. I think there's a place for it in toxic, unhealthy relationships. Mm-hmm. But if it's just because you had some conflict with someone, if it's just because that relationship got guilt or got difficult for you, um, that's not a reason to run. Like that, that yeah. a toxic relationship is, should be after 10 times I've tried, like I'm trying to work this out. It is not getting better. It's not getting better. I'm doing everything the Bible says about reconciliation. I've brought other people in. We are working through it together at that point after a lot of effort, um, where you just go, gosh, this is, this is not going to work. Then that's you as much as it concerns you living at peace with all men, which, which scriptures tells us to do. So once you've done everything in your power, it's okay to draw a boundary, but we draw them way too fast. We mm-hmm. love our boundaries and we set them as soon as somebody hurts us. And that's not, everybody's going to hurt you. Everyone is going to hurt you. You are going to hurt everyone back. Like that is how we are built. We are sinners and we hurt. But we that are Christians that are hopefully have the humility of Christ can be okay because we know, gosh, we've been forgiven and yeah. I can forgive you because I don't need you to be perfect. Christ was perfect mm-hmm. for me. And, and I can let people be imperfect and work it out rather than constantly changing friends every year because they end up hurting me. It, that's making me think of a conversation I had with one of my friends last week. We were talking about how I think our culture kind of can get into the mentality that if it's hard, then it must not be from God. Like if I'm facing some difficulty, then maybe I'm not this, like, this is not where I'm supposed to be. Maybe if when I'm obedient, that means it's going to be smooth sailing. And that's just not how it is. And there's like such growth and transformation and sharpening and strengthening of character that happens through the difficult. And you may be being like completely pure hearted, obedient to God and facing great difficulty. And I think that that's in the same way applied in our relationships. Like these relationships are a gift from God and you're meant to walk alongside them. And just because they're difficult, that doesn't mean that you just, you flee. Maybe that means that you stick it out and let God sharpen y'all as you figure it out. Um, So that's just, I feel like that's just so encouraging. And I think that that's encouraging Mm. a lot of people listening too. Yeah. Yeah. And okay, this is um, one of the last things that I wanted to talk about with you. I love this topic that you brought up in your book. And it was about how you need to identify the kind of friend that you are and then identify the kind of people that you need. Yeah. I love that because I feel like, or at least I know for me, sometimes I could be really hard on myself and have this expectation of I need to be everyone for everybody. Yep. And it's unreachable. Like you, you can't yeah. do that. And so can you talk about that with us for a little bit? Sure. Okay. I, a great point. I, I think the idea that we are supposed to be all things to all people and that all people are supposed to be all things to us is breaking our friendships. And one of the mm-hmm. reasons this felt really important to me to put early in the book is because I, I had to learn this. I had to learn what kind of friend I was because I had I had actually started to believe, and I think a lot of people can relate to this, that I was a bad friend, that I'm not good at friendship. 
And the reality is I'm not good at certain parts of friendship. I'm actually a great mm-hmm. friend at some parts, right? But I'm not yeah. great at all the parts. I'm not very vulnerable because I've been hurt. Like, so that makes me bad at that part. But I'm actually a great initiator and I'm a lot of fun and I'll make a plan. And so one <laughs> of the things that I had to realize was, you know what? I, I'm good at this and I'm not great at this, but I'm working on it. It doesn't mean we don't work on it. It's just that we don't feel this pressure to be all things to all people. And so the different types of friends, there's several of them, but one of them is a challenger friend, that that friend that kind of kicks you in the booty. Well, honestly, <laughs> some of you uh, don't like the friend that does that. Some of you wish your other sweet friends would do that. I mean, it's just, we all are looking for, honestly, all these things, the sage friend, the wise friend that you can go to and get advice, the in the trenches friend, the the foxhole friend, I call it, where mm-hmm. you're, they're just, they, whatever you want to do, they're in with you and their buddy, their companion, they're going to figure it out with you. Like there's just different friendship friends that, that play different roles in your life. And you're not going to find someone to play all of those roles. Nobody is wired that way. We're supposed to have a collaboration of people in our lives. In the yeah. book, I talk about a village that you're supposed to build a village that anywhere from 15 to, to 30 to 50 people that, that you're in each other's lives it doesn't mean you're doing daily life together, but you're looking out for each other. And if, mm-hmm. if one person goes down, like you're like, Hey, let's start a meal train, or you're going to take a casserole to that friend or, or help them with whatever they need right now. But it doesn't mean you're day to day telling them everything about everything. And I think just viewing your friendships as more of a community than just your two to five very best friends yeah, helps you one become dependent on a network of people that, and I think that is very godly. That is very biblical. You see that in Corinthians that there's Mm -hmm. a body and there's one head, it's Christ. And then there's an arm and a foot and a leg and you need them all. And so I wanted to do something that displayed that in friendship. And it's been so cool to see people's reaction. I posted it on Instagram and, and it's so cute. Mm -hmm. Like everybody's tagging their friends. Like, I think you're so-and-so the friend. I think you're this friend. I think you're this type. And then other people are like, tell me what type of friend I am. I don't know. And they're all sharing, like, I think you're this friend. And so it's been sweet. And I think it's been encouraging to people that, you know what? I am good at this. I'm just not good at all the parts and I can play my part in my friend group. And, and that, that gives people a lot of confidence. Yeah, no, that totally does. I've conversations where like, I've been affirmed through my friends and I had days where I was doubting. I, I refer back to those conversations. Those are impactful. Yeah. Denny, this is incredible. And I, I agree with you 100% because scripture says it, the Lord designed us for community. He's a God yeah. of community. And I believe that this book, I'm going to show it one more time for those of you on YouTube. Um, you should totally go get it because it will help equip you and encourage you to live out your life in community as you were made to do. And also, um, if y'all are watching on YouTube, this is, you are, it is coming out and Yay. I'm so excited. And if y'all have been following along in the booklet for the fill in the blanks, um, this is the, for the chapter, um, you are not alone. And I really think that this book, um, that Jenny wrote, find your people is like a deep dive in from the chapters of you are about you are made for friendship and you are not mm. alone. And so I think that that would be a really cool couple yeah. gift idea that y'all should get and go through. Um, but my last encouragement to you guys is when we believe the lie that we are all alone, because again, that is a lie, we begin to live as though we are all alone. Yes. So I want to encourage you in the reality that you are not all alone, no matter how much you feel that way. And I want to encourage you to step out of your comfort zone and initiate those conversations with people. Don't stay in that corner of the forest. You have to go to people sometimes. You need to be like Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> um, Jenny, can you tell people where they can get your book find your people. 
Sure. I mean, honestly, anywhere books are sold, Amazon, cool. Barnes and Noble, Target, and yeah, JennyAllen.com, J-E-N-N-I-E-A-L-L-E-N.com is where everything is. Perfect. Fantastic. And guys, you can get, you are also anywhere books are sold. I love y'all to pieces. If you are watching on YouTube, be sure and comment down below how you are encouraged and let your people know where they can get these good books and be encouraged. If you are listening via Apple or Spotify, be sure and download, rate, review, share it with your people. And yes, be sure and follow us on Instagram. Have you heard podcasts? You can stay in the loop of all the things that are going on and pull quotes from this incredible conversation that will be pulled. Guys, y'all are the best and I can't wait to talk to you next week. Thanks again, Jenny. I pray blessings and encouragement and a deepening of faith over your life today. Be sure to subscribe, rate, give reviews, and go share this episode with all of your people so that we can continue to build our community and build our faith. Thank you for tuning in to the Have You Heard podcast. And don't forget how awesome you are. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network.